You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 10, episode 53. I'm John, I'm your host for the first podcast of February. Um, and I'm joined by Scott. How are you doing? You good? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, can't complain. Aye, February already, eh? I don't know, it flew in, eh? It Obviously flies in when you're enjoying yourself in lockdown. Aye, it's, it's actually getting a bit too exciting, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I ended up, we were talking last week about crisps. Aye, their ruffles get demolished at the weekend, so uh, that so was a, a good uh, end to January, aye. <laughs> But the health eating still going well and the, the weight loss, so half a stone so far, so it's going good, going good. Oh, that's great, yeah. Uh, so, aye, a wee bit more to lose, mind you. So, yeah, it's the day after the January transfer window, um, holding at the same time. We probably worked it out well by doing Tuesday this week instead of doing uh, Monday, seeing as the deadline obviously ran up till midnight, as it does in Scotland. No sky, annoyingly, always just concentrate on England and you get to be talking... Stuff at the side about Scotland, I think it took them ages to announce the the Hornby one officially at the, the ticker tape at the bottom. It was up there on the side. I was like, come on, give us something, give us something. Nah, they, Ben Davies had signed for Liverpool for about four hours as breaking news. Um, so I some interesting deals in the last day. We weren't expecting to be too much. Yeah, I, I, I thought um, it was one of the more exciting last days of the Scottish transfer window, to be fair. Um, I think your club Aberdeen seemed to do a lot of business. Um, and then, you know, you're kind of, as you would expect from Motherwell, kind of going down down south, a couple of the players uh, for them. Uh, I think they're trying to, obviously, I think one of um, Graham Alexander's um, way of thinking is try maybe steady the defence, um, make them tougher to kind of beat. Um, so you've got a couple of defenders coming in on top of Liam Kelly, who I still think will be one of the better transfer deals of uh, January. Yeah, You can see them looking to, as I say, shore up. And it makes sense not to, you know, for them to do loan deals as well, because if they're in a bit of a precarious position, let's steady the ship for them, get to the to the end of the season, stay in the league and then rebuild um, whatever Graham Alexander wants to do uh, for next season, uh, do that in the summer. Yeah. And they managed to extend O'Donnell's contract to the end of the season. Yeah, so O'Donnell. and Campbell, which was big for them. So yeah, done as well, I think. Um, they tied him down as yeah. well for a longer deal. So yeah, I, I think um, all kind of smart Moves, um, in my opinion, for Motherwell. Uh, as I said, uh, as I said, there Aberdeen. Out of all the people who they're talking about leaving Scotland, I did think that the Cosgrove one made the most sense. Um, I think once you accept a bid for a player, um, you know the the times up slightly, um, and they did that in the summer. Um, we geek up. Gijob, um, I probably muttered that name, but uh, <laughs> the you know once they agree the deal with them, I think it's kind of that players then got a valuation, um, and I think 
two million is a, a kind of decent price. Um, I think they've actually brought in good replacements. It's maybe going to take a tiny bit of time to bed in, um, as it's been proven tonight. Um, but yes. I still think, you know, I think there's a player in Callum Hendry. Uh, is it Callum Hendry? Um, yeah, no, I do as well. Uh, I, I think um, he needs a bit of service and hopefully with his hedges and the like, um, you'll get that. Uh, I like I like Fraser Holman from what I've seen of him at the under 21s I've not seen a lot of him you have to wonder why um, he's been shipped out and uh, not even been around the, the first team squad at Reims that often in, in the last couple of months um, uh, yeah, he started the season playing a wee bit off the bench um, but uh, he's, not been, he's not featured for a while in Reims I played with giving young players a chance so Aye. So maybe, you know, this is maybe his time to shine. He did mention Euro 2020. So, you know, I, I would see that as a positive signing. Um, just depends if he can replicate his form as he has done for the Scotland under 21 team. And as he mentioned himself as well, he is playing with players like McCrory and uh, Ferguson. Yeah, the McLennan. McLennan and the under 21 set up. Uh, so, you know, Camberry's come in, Camberry knows the league. Um, he's not prolific, uh, Camberry, but he offers that bit of pace and maybe in and around Hornby, that would be a kind of good kind of partnership could maybe form from those two. So I think, strangely, um, from Rangers, and maybe Rangers look at it that they don't need to worry too much about this transfer window in terms of they've already won the league. But I thought out of everything, Aberdeen actually worked out the best deal for them with uh, McCrory signing on a permanent contract early. Um, I suppose Rangers probably look at it and think, well, he's not going to play a lot against them this season. Um, so it's not as maybe as important and the gap between themselves and Celtic is so big that they can allow McCrory to now play against them. But, you know, as I say, Scott, will he break into that Rangers team? Maybe it's good for their quota for the Europa League. Maybe that's a, a, a think behind that. And it gets them six months before the next season to kind of acclimatise himself into that kind of squad. And it worked with Glenn Kamara um, a couple of seasons back. So uh, that's maybe the thinking there. But I think Aberdeen kind of won in that deal as well. Yeah, we did well. Obviously, the cause goal situation changed everything. Um, the bid was accepted, and then you kind of knew pretty much it was going to be away. The only kind of possibility you thought it might fall through is when you heard that they were after Nisbet as well, and you wanted it thinking, sure, they're after one or the other. And then it turned out they actually wanted both of them because um, Birmingham were struggling for a goal down there. So, yeah, he went, and then that just it spiraled after that. Um, Obviously, Oyo leaving early in the window as well is good because he would imagine be on a kind of decent wage when they thought we paid money for him. Um, so getting rid of him, Cosgrove went. Um, the Hernandez situation, I'm still not sure about what's happening, but to my knowledge, I think the MLS squads are getting kind of finalised at the moment, something like 12th of February, I read something along the line. So he's not in Scotland anymore. I'd imagine he's going to sign for Atlanta. Um with that, and then yeah, McCrory coming in early. You've got a couple of players coming back on loan, uh, coming back from yeah, loan, Ethan and then Ross Bartan and 
uh, back. So whether they'll Vartan has played a wee part so far, even Ross wasn't in the squad for the game earlier. Um, so we'll see what happens. The only thing will be is I striker options really good. We've transformed the striker options because obviously Mains away, Bruce Anderson's away on loan, and then we get three new ones in. I think the that's only a good issue we've got is that as we say, Hornby's not played since about September. First team football, Camberry's not been playing in Switzerland, and Henry's not been featuring much in St. Johnson, so it might take a while to kind of settle in. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, positive signings. Um, but it's very unusual for a whole strike force to be completely changed. Basically three in, three out. Um, but if you're going to pick a position to kind of chop and change uh, during January, especially striker options would probably be the ones that you could get away with the most. Um, you wouldn't want to change your whole defence unless it's absolutely terrible. Um, and then you'd be struggling in the league anyway. Um, I, I, I kind of like the, the idea for Bruce Anderson to get away as well and hopefully get more games and get some goals down at Alton. I think I can understand that move as well. So, yeah. I, I, He's on a contract at the end of the season, so it's a big six months, well, maybe not even six months for him. That's yeah, well, exactly. enough to come back and... And making him back. I've got a feeling his cards are going to be marked. And it's a case of go, he's going there. And but it's not good for him to show somebody else. It's good then for him to kind of have a chance to show somebody else something. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think um, St. Mirren had Brothy earlier in, the, in the, the window, and I think he did well uh, against Celtic. Um, when they're, they're when there, I think they needed another striker. So that's, you know, I, I could, so I think Brock is a good sign for them. Kelly. Johnson have done all right. Mm-hmm. St. Johnson might have done all right with Middleton and Gilmer coming in. Yeah, I think, I think that those two are young, exciting footballers. Uh, St. Johnson have looked very, very good uh, the last couple of weeks obviously getting to the cup final and stuff like that is a kind of positive step uh, Livy haven't really done much which is kind of a testament to what they've done and since uh, the managerial change that they don't feel they need to do anything and it probably hamper them to bring in too many new faces when the, everything's going well so yeah, I, I like uh, I like a lot of the business that's been done from the Scottish side. I think uh, Jack Snavin's already proved himself as as a astute signing for Hibs um, to assists um, the weekend. So a, a lovely pass through for for Boyle's goal. So yeah, you just try to go down Celtic. <clears throat> A strange one. Uh, the neat charm stuff. Uh, obviously, they <laughs> um, can't. Uh, it goes from one manager who's sticking to his guns, no matter what, to one that walks out as soon as he walks in. Um, and I, I do still think it depends what what fee ends up being if they sell neat charm. I've heard kind of two various reports that it's four and a half million and uh, a nine million is the other one I heard. So. If it's four and a half, then they've really messed that transfer up. Uh, if it's nine million, then they might just about got away with it. But potentially they could have sold him for twelve to fifteen million. It's just uh, I don't think Lennon knows how to play him, and 
they'd never really got the best out of him for a long period of time. Uh, it's, maybe that's yeah. to, do, to do with the player as well, but I do feel as though he was misused uh, after Rodgers left. Aye, I think Celtic's window has probably been a, a big sign that there's not much forward planning. Um, obviously, just a loan deal with John Joe Kerry coming in in terms of replacing Frimpong. Okay, maybe he could be someone that they sign in the, the summer, but you expect that much as Lennon's in the job just now. Lennon will be away in the summer, I think. But the thing is, the summer. Well, I heard, um, was it Southampton were interested in John Joe Kenny? Um, and they were I quoted. Think, yeah, they were after a few right backs, yeah. They were quoted but 10 million. Up, I think. So they were quoted 10 million, and that's what turned them off the deal. So, you know, Celtic aren't going to pay anywhere near that for him. So you'd have to have a really good end of the season, which I don't see happening um, as much as a right-back can be instrumental like James Tavernier. I don't think you'll have that instrumental a season that you're going to see Celtic clamouring to sign, sign on for, what, over £5 million probably. So it's it, it's a good short-term deal, but... It, and it does it does it make sense if they are planning on a, a big rebuild job in the summer for them to sign anybody just now? Um, but the deep jam, the frimpong, it does look as if they just either players are desperate to leave or they're kind of wanting to cash in ahead of this rebuild job. Uh, and I think they've sold probably both of them too early. You know, they've sold frimpong too early. They've sold. Each am too late, and so not at the right time for either of them. Aye, spot on. Can we talk about Kamarnik? They brought a couple of loan players in from down south. Yeah, so could a couple of be good boy made like from Arsenal, and then a white player as well. So he was at Gilliam um, and played about nine games, I think nine league games for for Gilliam. Uh, I, I like the fact that they've brought in two youngsters from the Premier League and it's not like the lower league uh, of England. What Kilmarnock needs a lot of confidence and what they need is a manager, um, obviously, with Alex Dyer just leaving. Um, they need to find the right person to kind of steady everything out and have a, a, an up-to-date game plan for them to, to follow uh, and to get themselves out of this mess. Because at the moment... They're even losing to Celtic, and that's been a <laughs> not a lot of teams have said that in recent weeks. Yeah, it's an interesting one because obviously, come on, I went to you know, up at the weekend again, so they're on a play because you know, a few Kelly fans and they were saying that St. John should have been probably far ahead in the first half. So, weird. Dyer, obviously, second half. It just falls apart completely. What three goals in twenty-seven minutes? You wonder if they had drawn the game, would they have still been going at, going at the end of that game, or was it just the card was marked before the game anyway, regardless? Maybe. Well, I seem to have said that um, it was a must-win game, and that kind of, in, in my opinion, it maybe back, backed himself into a corner a bit uh, unnecessarily. Now maybe he had that vibe from the board, I don't know. But it, it, to say that and then lose the way that they did, it did seem as if that was kind of what was going to end up being the, the catalyst for him to, to, to leave. 
uh, that's a shame because he does seem like a really nice guy. Uh, by all accounts, he's a very good coach. It's just sometimes good coaches don't make the best managers and it's trying times. Expectation levels um, and commandment fans may disagree to some extent, but I think it, they were raised with Steve Clark. Um, and just, yeah, definitely. If you look at Alessio, Alessio left in the fifth in the league. Uh, so it's clearly there are still issues, I think, where Kilmarnock think they should be. And looking at the way they've done recently in the transfer window, I don't think they could expect to be in the top six anymore. I think uh, they need a, a, you know, maybe with this change of manager and a change of direction, they could get back into the top six. But it just all depends who that person is going to be. Yeah, we've discussed before, like Clark obviously exceeded expectations because he came in and what, I think they were 11th in the league at the time. I think, if I remember correctly. But prior to that, they've maybe had, what, three or four seasons where that's where they were roughly. They were averaging roughly a point a game. Um, so they're probably back to where they were before Clark. Clark was a, not a fluke as such, but he, he came in and just changed everything, giving positivity about the club and, and changed a lot of things. Whereas, I don't know what Kelly fans expect just now. Um, the, the thing is, what, what people kind of have to remember when they talk about so if you look at the, the managers that Kamarnock have had um, recent times, you've had got Gary Locke, Alan Johnston, Lee McCulloch, uh, Angelo Alessio to a lesser extent, but still, and Dyer. And then you, you look at Steve Clark. Steve Clark's a total different animal from these guys. Alessio had a lot more experience as a number two under Conte, so he did have that experience, yeah. but not as, not as a number one, uh, or certainly not as much as a number one. The rest of them, you know, you look at Steve Clark held his own in the Premier League. Steve Clark was a very good manager at the English Championship level. That is a lot of experience. That is something that you bring in where you have managed the likes of, you know, Romelu Lukaku, um, James Morrison, these kind of Premier League players, established Premier League players. He had that in his locker. Nobody else at Kamarnock's had that. And nobody else, you know... Probably inexperienced managers. Not a lot of other managers in recent times have had that in the whole entire Scottish Premiership. You know, Brendan Rodgers obviously stands out. But yeah, that's... And that's a significant step um, and to get uh, that kind of manager in was a huge, huge coup for, for Kilmarnock. And so, yeah, I think if you get the right kind of manager, you can. I can still see them going up the table. It's just I don't think they're going to be, you know, maybe where they were under Steve Clark because that was maybe, yeah. you know, Due to his experience and how to hand, handle the squad, aye, they probably feel their hand is forced a wee bit as well by what's happened at Motherwell and Ross County because they've obviously both had a change of manager. They'll be expected to move up the league, um, and then Hamilton. They've got a couple of games in hand, and we know what Hamilton do. Hamilton usually get a lot of trouble, so come on, feeling a bit of pressure, and then they obviously want to preserve their top flight, top flight status. So you can understand it. Uh, be interested to see who comes in. Obviously, Tommy Wright is linked with everything just now. He's become the new Stuart Baxter. Um, any job that's going, 
Tommy Wright. No, you don't mention Stuart. It makes Baxter. sense, I suppose. If he He's... wants, if he wants to come back to Scotland. Um, the other one I thought was Gary Holt, but yeah, someone really pointed out he's obviously moved into the director of football role at Falkirk. I, I still think he could be a candidate because I think a Kelly job would be attractive to him. Um, but I will see what happens. That might get another outside the box appointment, but I think Kilmarnock will want to maybe try and go for someone more experienced again. Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it's something to be about outside the box uh, or Toby Wright. Uh, these. Those would be the kind of things that I, I would think that somebody with maybe a bit of experience, um, and then maybe Tommy Wright's got the experience plus the the know how of working in the league. Uh, so I'm just trying to think off the top of my head if there's anybody that's out of work. Um, Someone mentioned was it Paul Clement? That was, uh, was it, I don't know what, he, what his last job was. Club Red, Bruges. Was that one, eh? He was he was Club at Red, but I think he was at Club Bruges. Um, until very recently, is it last week he got the sack? Well, he was mentioned. Was he not? Was he not like a job before in Scotland? I'm trying to think. Was he like the Kelly job before? Actually, uh, was it not the Rangers job? Was it not the Rangers job at one point? Um, oh, maybe he's definitely. I'm sure, pretty sure he was linked with something in Scotland. It's a bit like um, I see a lot of people linking Villas Boas with the Celtic job. It's a bit. I look at Paul Clement and think. Is is he a, a number two who's had a, a couple of decent chances at proving himself and hasn't actually ever really proven himself elsewhere? You know, if you look at it, he's what Derby County, Reading, Club Bruges without much success at either of those three clubs, any of those three clubs. Yeah, I'm trying to see who else has been maybe quoted. <laughs> There's some ridiculous names on there. Apart from you look at Odds Checker. David Moyes, at... why would David Moyes be interested in <laughs> that job? No, that's that's um, a ridiculous thing. Well, Steve McLeod was interested in the Dundee United job. I wonder if he'd get a wee bit more kind of control and maybe a wee bit more at Kilmarnock than he did. He was going to get at Dundee United. Yeah, it's further yeah. south as well. Maybe that might be a trick Steve McLeod. The only ones that I can see quoted just now it was Paddy Parser, they're just going for crazy people. Actually, do you know what the problem here is? This isn't the odds for just now. I think this is for when Clark left, actually. Because at that point, was Moyes not maybe able to job? Yeah, that's probably what yeah, it is. This is no the right. odds for just now. Right. So maybe Frank so, Lampard will win that. Edit, edit that bit out. Um, oh, I can't even see the odds just now. You know. So we'll see. I think they'll want to make a quick appointment. And obviously the talk has been for a while that Dyer was under pressure, so they'll, they'll have had guys in mind, I think. I'd like to think so. Um, the, the kind of standout is Tommy Wright. It just depends on whether or not he wants to go is Kamal look that much different from St. Johnston? Was he hoping for something bigger? But then how long can he wait for another job? That's the other thing. The Rolf Nylon job is probably the one that he wanted. Robinson, yeah. who was at Motherwell, is that maybe? Uh, I mean, he could, he could be, he, he's come out and said again that he's 
he's interesting getting back into management. He's had a wee break. Um, I'm still trying to, I'm still struggling to find though just now if I can like I can see Celtic, even though Celtic still have a manager just now, which is interesting. Uh, well, maybe after tonight, maybe after tonight's game, the um, Kilmarnock coach Lennon. Kilmarnock coach Lennon, I, I never know. See what happens. Um, but yeah, shall we revert back to the old January transfer windows that we decided we're going to go for the theme for for this week? Uh, pick out some of the best ones and some of the ones that you might have forgotten about and that should have been maybe great signings but were absolutely woeful. So I reckon we start with the bad first of all. A few. Have you got yeah. some bad ones as well? I've got a few written down, yeah. So, so the one that stand, stood out for me that looked like it could potentially be a decent signing, but then it was maybe a wee bit uh, old Freddie Lundberg at Celtic. Yeah, I've got Freddie Lundberg written down here as well. Uh, I actually wrote a blog about how that would be a kind of Celtic. Uh, it, 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 it was because age and things like that I thought oh well Celtic will no doubt get liked with Freddie Lundberg and I'm sure about two weeks later was actually signed sealed and delivered so yeah I think it was just age do you know what I mean I don't think you know there's no doubt in um, his ability it's just he he couldn't um Produce what he did at Arsenal, and that's the that's the kind of sad truth of it. Um, a great player in his day, it just didn't happen for him when when he was at Celtic. Uh, it's it's the way it is for for a lot of um, these players who come for kind of last payday. Yes, it did. However, Celtic signed a good player in that window who. He made his debut against Aberdeen, Chris Commons. That was who I've put, I've also written down Chris Commons as one of my top five, you know, well, the ones that who I can remember. Terrific for, I would say, maybe three or four seasons until they kind of fell out of favour. But you remember his debut, he'd signed the day before. Because it was um, between, because yeah. it, it was a, it was a, it was a kind of, Battle between Rangers and Celtic in that January to sign him. Um, yeah, scored 64 goals. I've got right down here 147 league games, won eight trophies, including five league titles. Um, which just paid for him, I think. It was just that at that time, he was probably the best kind of attacking midfielder in Scotland. Just knew he went to pick his time for a run, could score from outside the box. I think there was debates with some managers on his training ethics and how fit he would be. Um, but yeah, I, I thought I always rated Chris Commons um, and as I, I'd written him down as one of the kind of really good standout Premier League. Sorry, the really good standout January transfer window signings. Um, so yeah, that was 2011. Um, there are some from further back. I don't know how we're going to work this way, or we're just going to go back and forth, or how yeah, we're going just, to do yeah, it. Just, just, just name players. I don't think we need to, to go in a chronicle yeah. order. It tied in nicely. If we go really far back, right, so the, the January transfer window started in 2002, 2003. Right. Um, I'm not going quite as far back as that. 
But when I was kind of looking back, one of the best you have to say, Chris Boyd, when he signed for Rangers. So I think we've got a lot of Chris's. I think we've got a lot of Chris's here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because I've got another Chris as well. So far. Um, yeah, I think it's the same one. The, not in the top flight. Uh, so it'll be the same one, I would think. There's not that many Chris's <laughs> of that spelling, to be yes. honest. Um, yeah, but so, yeah. no, Chris, Chris Boyd, his first spell at Rangers. Uh, I know people, I think we've had this um, kind of debate before about a goal scoring striker, about certain work rates and stuff like that. But if he's scoring goals, and winning you matches more often than not, then that's worth his weight in gold. And he was a phenomenal goal scorer at Rangers uh, that first spell, yeah. certainly. I think five seasons in a row he finished up scorer. Um, yeah, and just any chance he came inside the box, he would eat it up and just absolutely find the back of the net. Though, you know, as I say, didn't work the channels, they didn't come too deep and anything else like you know Kenny Miller really helped his game because Kenny Miller would then go and get do everything all the work for him. Yeah. But as I say, if you're scoring goals, that's the main main point of being a goal scoring striker, isn't it? Yeah. He also as well signed for Kilmarnock on his second spell in January after coming back from Minnesota and scored like I think twenty five goals in forty four games. So he's done it a couple of times in January. The, he, he's been the, 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 go back to his when he signed for Rangers in the January. Did he not waive his signing fee, um, signing on fee, and gave it to Kilmarnock to for the youth system as well? So that's yep. that was a classy touch. So you already know from uh, watching Sky Sports that he played for Kilmarnock <laughs> as well as playing for Rangers. Uh, <laughs> but no, like he's he's, he's a your old fashioned number nine, eight up chances like there was no tomorrow. It always buys the Larson Boyd debate. Completely different players. Um, doesn't matter how you score goals. And the, the, Whether the that happens or whatever, he's just a great striker. He still found that minimal amount of space inside the box to put away chances. He yep. he just knew where to be to follow follow the end of those chances. So, uh, you know. There is no debate when it comes to Larson versus Boyd. Larson was a far superior footballer. But at the same token, you know, when it comes to goal tallies, I think Boyd's up there. And then, you know, trophies, Boyd's been in there as well. I just think if you're playing top the highest level, Larson's obviously going to beat him every single time. Yeah. But that doesn't take away from the fact that he was a very good time, especially for the money um, at Rangers. I think he should have got more Scotland clubs. Um, well, I think partly it's down to himself. He had a half of the, the game yeah. that Chris Alumo missed uh, his chance. Uh, took himself out the reckoning. Uh, yeah, I, I think he probably did deserve more caps. But again, partly it's down to him. Another thing is, I think with Scotland, we, we don't create the same chances that Rangers create week in, week out. And I think that was always going to work against them. I think when you look at Walter Smith and how Walter Smith dropped them for the big games, every game is a kind of big game for Scotland in that aspect. And I think that was always going to work against them as well. Yeah, we were always playing one up front as well. There was little chance of the thing going with the Miller-Boy partnership as well at international level. Exactly. Um, just maybe couldn't afford it at the time. 
Um, so we may as well, well, you may as well mention the third Chris. He's not someone that um, was signed in the Premiership. No. Um, he so was signed in the, it was at the first division at the time, Championship. Yeah, and he came from the juniors. Um, so came from Chris, Talbot. Yeah. So Chris from Buckleck Talbot to Partick Thistle in 2009. Stayed for Hill for 10 years. Scored over 100 league goals in his time there. Um, had a wonderful testimony. In the Hall of Fame, absolutely worked his socks off. I know for a fact the Cobalt fans that I speak to think he's a hero. He is worshipped uh, in the West End of Glasgow, uh, that side of the West End. Um, uh, so, just. Did you say Cobalt fans did at one point, I think? Did I? Um, still uh, I know you made a party thistle. I'm still I'll, watching the Cobalt. So just so you don't look stupid, because I've been there before in the podcast. I, so I still, I still want to see the Celtic party. This will give in the background. I must have just slipped it. Uh, <laughs> Celtic Kamarik gave in the background. You mean you're getting right about stuff? What did I say that time? You said Celtic party thistle. <laughs> All right. What have you got in that beer? Is that, the, is that that Belgian 13% stuff? <laughs> no, it's just a wee cider. I've turned the telly off right. now. So, yeah, so the... Partick Thistle fans absolutely adore him. Um, and it's not often you get a player that stays 10 years at a club these days. And it's certainly not often that you'll see somebody coming from the junior level and sustaining that to a, such a higher level from that particular move. So, no, nah, I think he's, he's earned his right to be mentioned in this podcast. I definitely, because even when he went in, into the Premier League, Premier League Premiership, he was still maybe double figures at, um, at times. So, yeah, top player, top striker. Um, and, yeah, obviously he's formerly a member of Talbot as well. Quite often see him at Talbot games as well. Um, so, aye, good lad. Yes. He, he might be one of the only ones who got from the lower leagues. I don't know if you've got any others. You can have picked out most of mine are from the, pre- the top flight for all Yeah, most of mine are from the Premiership. And that was just because it was easier to find the information from the top flight than it <laughs> well, was from maybe the, the lower it, leagues. Exactly. And maybe down to maybe some of our knowledge as well. But um, yeah. Who should we, we pick next? Um, so if we're going back to bad ones, I've got Eric the Jemba Jemba. Um, oh, Jemba Jemba. So, <laughs> so bad in any place. And... So you know, it's it's funny to be a kind of poor signing for Manchester United, but to be a poor signing for Manchester United, and to also be a poor signing for St Mirren, you must be pretty poor to get to that those two accolades. I would suggest. Yeah, he obviously well, he's, I remember him was he signed for Man U in the back. I was thought a good. World, World Cup, Cup was it with Cameron? Yeah, in 20, 2002. Um, and I looked like a good player when he first signed for Manu, but just didn't work out. Try to remember, did they not, did they not sign Cleberson around the same point as well at Manu? Yeah, and he was he was terrible as well. And again, did, did he work out? The only thing he was remembered for was the fact he had a fourteen year old wife. Um, yeah, that's like right. that, I think. Uh, but in Brazil, I think that's all right. So, um, before, yes, know, it, it was. Know. It was uh, not that I, I know this, uh, but it was it was legal in Brazil. Um, not that I checked up for any other reason than 
yeah. that kind of footballing story. But yeah. Um, but yeah, what you only played a couple of games, was it, Marin? Just three. I think it was three games. I, I saw either he should have been set off early in his debut. He gave away the goal in his debut, and then they lost the two other times he played. So played three, lost three, and didn't cover himself in any any glory whatsoever in any of the three appearances. Yeah, supposedly he signed for St Mirren hoping that he would get in the Cameroon squad for the 2014 World Cup, but yeah, safe to say. Because I not. think, if I can remember correctly, he did all right in, was it Copenhagen or a, a Danish team anyway? He seemed to be... Odense oh, maybe. Was it Odense? Um, yeah. Yeah, so he played over 100 times there. And then... In Israel, but yeah, it just seemed to come off again by the time he was at, maybe it's just the British soil, he just doesn't. Um, 34 caps for Cameroon. Uh, uh, I think he's just a boy that liked a signing on fee when you look at how many clubs he was at. I think he was a, somebody that just didn't reach his full potential, let's put it that way. Though he did play in a World Cup. And did well in that World Cup in 2002, so... But they always say, don't uh, buy off the back of a World Cup. No. Um, right, so if we're going for that... But which season was that again? That was 2013, 14? Uh, if he was going for the 2014 World Cup, then... It must be. Uh, Aye. Yeah, it would, it would be that one then. So, if we then go for one from Aberdeen... There's a couple of that from Aberdeen, right? Um, I'll start off the one that's still there. So Shea Logan, who obviously just now, he's not playing so much. He's maybe kind of towards the end of his career. He's got other interests with his business, plumbing business and stuff like that. But when he first came, I would say maybe up with Lustig for maybe three or four seasons, he was probably the best right back in the country. Yeah, I was like, used to yeah. get him out of like, difficult situations. He was decent going forward. Even though at times I think he was was told not to get too far forward because it, you always knew it, it, it was almost like a, a fullback that was playing sweeper at times because of the way we played it at times. We're a lot more expansive in terms of the way we broke forward, like Sapala, Hayes, McGinn, Rooney, and it was all go. And he was maybe just asked to do other other work, but yeah, terrific player for four years. Yeah, um, plugged a few leaks in the box. Like that, what's that? He plugged a few leaks. Plugged a few leaks. Oh, aye, there we go. Um, but yeah, very good player. And as well, maybe you like him a little bit more. We talked last week about cult figures. Um, and yeah, for the for all position, he's maybe the other figure that changed the L for another letter. Um, he liked to wind up the Celtic fans, which I think helped as well. Um, get into a few wee arguments with him. But yeah, very good player, I think. I, I think really good servant for Aberdeen. I think for most people, if a player is kind of universally disliked by some of the rest by the rest of the league, it's usually because they're good. It's not usually. I mean, it's not like Celtic fans, for instance, celebrated Philip Shebo at, at Rangers, and that's because he was horrendous. So they 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 mock them, they they they, they celebrate yeah. it. They, they say, so if a player's good against them, that's when they take the hump, and that's when they, they kind of. Um, and I know 
Shea Logan's um, relationship with Celtic fans is very kind of multi-layered, but I think a lot of it is that he was one of the better players for the team that were probably the biggest challengers, but Rangers weren't there. So, uh, worked his socks off, very loyal uh, to Aberdeen, probably could have went back to the English Championship at certain times, didn't, um, a bit like Joe Lewis and that, and, and aspect that it's one of those players that under the kind of Derek McInnes era that Aberdeen brought in he did very well and managed to keep and that's not always easy in the Scottish Premiership if you're not Rangers and Celtic and even if you are Rangers and Celtic these days if somebody plays to their kind of potential then usually they're moved on Yeah definitely but it seemed a good time because obviously he won the League Cup as well just a few months later um, and the other thing in that win, that window, and it was pivotal. Adam Rooney, again, a bit like Boyd, it was a case of all he does is score goals. They are the hardest players to get. Well, if you <laughs> if you look at the Scottish Premiership this season, about eight teams in that league could do with somebody that just scores goals. So that's yeah, it. That that so yeah, quick impact scored in his debut. He then obviously the, the four 0 game against St Johnson scored one, set up one, and then he goes on to score the decisive penalty in the twenty fourteen uh, League Cup final, which was a, a horror game. It was a, a nightmare of a game, and it was just pure relief when he scored that winning penalty. So you'll always be remembered fondly for that. Seems like a top guy as well, decent guy off the field. He interacts well with fans. I've seen him on social media and that. Likes to have a laugh as well. Um, I believe he can handle his beers as well from what I've heard on nights out. He's a he's a he's good for the, the nights out. But yeah, top striker. I think we probably got him at his his peak years as well. Um the only maybe slight mistake we made, I think. Twenty sixteen we gave him a four year contract, which was maybe a, a bit a bit much for in Scottish football. Contracts got like that weren't really getting handed out. It was probably like one year contracts, two year contracts, and then towards the end of his time at Aberdeen he, he did look it to be on the decline. I think some fans were surprised that he went, but I think maybe looking at what he did when he went to like Salford and um, moved on to Solihull, we maybe did get rid of him at the right time. Yeah, I think if you look at but his yeah. career, career trajectory since he left Petardry, it probably was the right time to let him go because he's not really, you know, Salford was meant to be the next thing to really propel them and it never happened. So, yeah, yeah I think he did let him go at the right time. Um, but yeah, there's, 2014 was a good January transfer window because there's another couple of players. I don't know whether you've done it by year or how you've done it, but there's a couple at Celtic. I've not got any 2014 window. on my list. Uh, okay, I've okay, spread okay. Lee Griffiths. Lee Griffiths signed in that window. I, I had Chris Collins, so I didn't, I didn't go too much into that various things. But yeah, again... A goal scorer, a bit more um, get something out of nothing, can score from free kicks uh, from outside the box, so could work his own chances when you compare him to somebody like Chris Boyd. Uh, he did a lot better, has done a lot better at Celtic than I probably thought he was going to. Um, and he's been unfortunate with certain injuries and mental health issues. Uh, possibly his own fitness hasn't been up to scratch. You'd have to ask a couple of these managers that rather than me. But wherever he's been fit, 
and on the park, he's been able to score goals. Yeah. The other one that maybe deserves a brief mention from that window was Stephen Johansson, who was a very good player at Celtic for a couple of years. Yeah, they see not just went to Brentford or something as the Queen's Park Rangers for the, it, it was a championship yeah. team from Fulham. Yeah, very good player. Um you know, it was a kind of good goal scoring midfielder and things like that. I know he did well at Fulham uh, when he first joined Fulham. But I think Celtic probably got rid of him at the right time as well. Aye, well, I think he wanted to go. I think that was a big thing as well. And you know what it's like. If you, a player wants to go, you're, you're probably better off just trying to get some kind of deal done for him. Uh, I've got... So the earliest I've gone for is 2008. Um, there's probably a few I could mention then. Yeah, that was a year, actually. I never, I never actually uh, even went to that year at all. So what, who was your one for 2008 or the... So it was Steve, so, so it was one, it was Stephen Davis, Fulham to Rangers, that was the kind of UEFA Cup run, and I think he was a big catalyst um, to all that. Yeah. Very dynamic midfielder in those days. Still, you know, even then he was dictating play, he still does that now. Uh, just very comfortable. Side on one again in 2019 as well. Yeah. Um, Rangers. So, so yeah, I don't think he did as much the second time. Um, it was more after he signed on. I, I think he was kind of he didn't play as much as he was probably hoping to on the original loan deal. And it was only to the end of that season that I think he proved himself fitness wise again. That Gerard signed him on, but that first time he hit the ground running, um, superb. Could get a couple of goals. Was good at the set pieces. Gave gave his all for Rangers. I think. Most were surprised that Rangers were able to hold on to and signed up for about four million in that summer. Uh, got, as I said, got into the UF Cup final and then he won three titles in a row as well. So I, I, you look at what he did at Southampton as well. He held his own in the Premier League, one of the, the better players in that Southampton team that were doing well under the leagues of Pochettino and Koeman. So yeah. uh, very, Thank you. very good midfielder. Aye, I think at the time he signed for Rangers, if it wasn't for the fact that it was his boyhood team, he would have still been playing down south. Yes. Because um, he was more than capable. So that shows the pool um, that uh, when your boyhood comes, club comes in for you, uh, it's hard to resist. So then, from then on, I go to 2011, uh, Jim Goodwin from Halton to St Mirren. Aye, uh, yep. So uh, Tough tackling, hard working midfielder, uh, helped them to the League Cup. Uh, and is now the, obviously and a Saladin manager as well. <laughs> he's obviously he's, he's, he's obviously you know st- so well thought of that they went back and got him in as manager, and I think they're doing really well uh, under him. So so it wouldn't surprise me if he would be getting linked to another job in the summer, uh, <laughs> whether or not it's. Uh, Yep. Pitodre, I don't know, but won the league cup yeah. as well as a player with St. Mirren. Yeah, that's what I said. Right. Right. So we've mentioned that twice. I don't know if you just right. wanted to mention you need it. Need to mention it twice <laughs> when it's St. Mirren. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just a a combative always gave his all for the shot. Uh, I just relished the big games. Um, always thought he was a it was a 
really good midfielder, probably a bit underrated. I think people just thought it was a hatchet man at times, but I think he, he was a lot more than that. Yeah, I like him. Uh, he's a good guy. He seems a good guy as well. If we go back to kind of bad ones, I've got that Charlie Musonda. Oh, I, uh, he started off all right. I remember the first few games, he looked as if, oh, he's going to be a decent signing. But I, just, I don't I know what happened people, after that. I remember people talking about it, like BBC Scotland or something. It was like, oh, this player's going to be worth 30 million one day and he was going to be the best player in the world and all that jazz. But just didn't really show it off of it. He's one of those young players who went to a team like Chelsea, I think just got wowed by the money, wowed by the lights of London and thought he'd already made it by the time he had a loan deal at Celtic and just could not back up anything that was you know, kind of written about him beforehand. It just, and his career's just went from loan to loan ever since. Aye, he's one of the modern footballers that was probably a millionaire by the time he was 21 because he was probably on stupid money at Chelsea. In a huge contract. Aye, much effort to some put in. Um, but uh, if we're looking at maybe one of the provincial clubs as well, going back to like you mentioned about St Mirren, Gary Dicker at Kilmarnock. Yeah. Um, another strong kind of midfielder, another kind of player that will give you his all. It's just he seems to play for the jersey I don't know if it's just me that thinks that or if it come out of fans think that but he's, he, he always seems to be there and just giving 110% every time oh, you can't give 110% can we give 100 no he gives an extra 10% that nobody knew he had having power up together Tremendous, but yeah, Dicker was he's been a, a right good solid signing, obviously still there. Um I had, had another Kamalak uh, signing um, and that was uh, Freddie Whitman. Finished. Oh, you don't even go all right, okay, him. So Aye, does another one as well. Just it's a kind of difference in terms of I didn't win all outfield players, so I thought I'd try and sneak in a goalkeeper. But five clean sheets in forty league games probably helped them stay relatively safely away from relegation towards the end of that season and I, I remember watching him thinking this boy is going to be a star Do you know what I mean? he, he does seem to be on his kind of way into a Premier League team it's not quite worked that way out but he's on loan at Swansea who are doing really well in the Premier League and he's playing there so sorry doing really well in the English Championship uh, heading towards the Premier League so he's doing really well there so and they went, they went the World Cup with England, the uh, under 18, yeah, so, yeah. 20s or something. Um, so. And he came back to Hong as well because he ended up having went a lot of Yeah. Penalty show. Um, he didn't really do particularly much for us, but that night, he, yeah, he, he stood up, did well. Um, yeah, he's a good keeper. He's still, still pretty young as well. You know, he's only 22. 20, 24. I think he's uh, about 22. Is it? Um, right, so. But the, I think the the thing, and it's all about, I think sometimes when a young player, it's all about where you go next. And I don't think Aberdeen ever suited him in the sense that he was never going to be number one, really. Yeah. yeah. So, so if you're going to go somewhere on loan, go somewhere that you're going to get guaranteed 
um, first team football. Um, he is 23, so in between 22 and 24, which you suggested. Uh, yes, indeed. Or was it Sean Longstaff that went the same transfer window to? I think it must have been. I think Matty would have been too young. I think he had a good end of the season. Is it Mirren? Uh, is it 16 games and three goals? Um, that's, that's just right off the top of my head, sort of me. Yeah, Kabbalah 2017, 16 and 3. Sean Longstaff. So that was the same transfer window, I think. Because he was then a year or two linked with, after that, with a big, huge four, £40 million pound deal to Man United, wasn't he? Well, long stuff, was he? Mm-hmm. Like for £40 million? I think so, but he's now not getting a game. He's now not getting a game, so Aye. they sold him and they had the chance. Aye, he's been kind of in and out the team a bit. But, uh, there you go, back to Kelly Rowe, Eremenko. Yes. Bit of a um, um, another cult. Um, could, one of those players on his day was just unplayable at times um, and would get you on the edge of your seat or off your seat. My, you know, love the dribble, love the ball, um, good at set pieces. It was just one of those kind of, one of those players that are probably closest to somebody like Luba Moravchik that kind of came to the Another Scottish team. Yeah. He didn't strike me as someone that looked after himself off the pitch to the Menko. I think that was probably the problem in terms of him not doing even better in his career than he did. Um, but, uh, um, so you mentioned Freddie Woodman, another goalkeeper going back a fair bit. Uh, John Hughes had a habit of getting good players in. Casper Michael. Yes, Falkirk. He went to Falkirk. Yeah. Um... Obviously went on. Big gloves to fill, not big shoes to fill, or big, big boots to fill, big gloves to fill with his old dad, obviously. But he's done all right. But um, did they not, not say Tim Cruel as well around the route? You know, yeah, they had Tim Cruel. They obviously had Stokes. They got in. Um, I don't know whether it was January, but players that yeah, they certainly kind of they got in. Uh, but was, that's what I'm kind of hoping for with these kind of players that go to Kilmarnock um, from the Premier League kind of youth teams and stuff, something like that. Um, but Casper Schreiko, I, I think he did, you know, a, a decent job uh, at Falkirk. But it's more about what his career happened to be after that uh, Premier League winner, Leicester City, and all the rest of it. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's it's one of those ones that you always kind of mention to people down south about your players that have played in Scotland, and you go, oh, "Well, we've had, you know, Casper Schreikos and." Virgil van Dyke's and all the rest of it. Oh, don't remember Casper Schmeichel. Oh, uh, yeah. sure. oh, good keeper, top keeper. A um, little more recently, in terms of a player, if we're going to a different club, Lyndon Dykes, who we obviously spoke about last week. Yeah. But he's worth mentioning. There's no point maybe going into too much detail because we mentioned him so much last week. But top signing. Yeah. A, a, great, a, well. a great find for, uh, for Scottish football in terms of the national team as well. So, forever indebted. Um, 
One that was just to, to please the, the fans, Robbie Keane. I was actually going to put Robbie Keane on the, on the bad list until I actually rechecked how he did. And he scored like 12 goals in 16 games, so he did a lot better than I was expecting. It's, just because, well. it's just because it was the Tory Mowbray time and it just Aye. didn't really have any the impact. It was bad. Because uh, um, Craig Bellamy, that was one that I kind of thought about um, and helped Celtic win the Scottish Cup. Um rejuvenated that season for them slightly but again didn't win the league title so it's a it's a kind of that's why he kind of missed out my, my kind of list but yeah him and Robbie Keane both Premier League class strikers and they did score goals up here there's no doubt about it yep um, another striker okay, we mentioned him last week so I, maybe not going into a lot of detail Scott McDonald at Motherwell um, was terrific there. Yeah, um, just a, a kind of pain in the arse for defenders, I would imagine. Just kind of holding players, you know, hold, pinning defenders back, turning them, getting in behind, um, worked the socks off, scored very important goals for both Motherwell, Rangers, and even Celtic as well once they moved to there. Uh, so this is one of those um, signings that. You kind of take a chance on if you're a mother or commander or a team like that, and it just comes up trumps. You know, you're, as, as we've already mentioned, goal scorers are absolutely what every team's dying for. So, and he was a good goal scorer, very good goal scorer. Um, you mentioned one recently, no, not recently, sorry, at the maybe beginning of the podcast, when talking about something different about Glenn Kamara. Obviously, £50,000. No one, I don't think, expected him to be a, a regular in the Rangers team, uh, yet alone make the impact that he has, where he's now getting talked about in terms of, I don't know, £10 million plus player, maybe even more, depending on who you speak to. Um, yeah, great signing. He's still not as consistent as he ought to be for the teams that are getting linked with him at the moment. But when he is playing at his kind of peak, he absolutely destroys midfields. His awareness of where the ball is, where opposition players are, turning on the ball, getting the ball forward is fantastic. Um, He can really... And I think he is learning from Stephen Davis, which is only a good thing for him as well. He's just somebody who has that. And I remember it was an old firm game last season. They absolutely dominated that Celtic midfield. That's the kind of level he needs to get at every single week if he's going to get to a top Serie A Mm -hmm. club or back into a kind of top half of the Premier League uh, down south. He obviously started his career at, at Arsenal. Um, he has that in his locker. He, you know, we have seen that in Europe as well as yeah, for, for against Celtic for Rangers. He just has to prove it on a consistent basis. Um, but yeah, an absolutely fantastic steal at fifty thousand um, pounds, and a player I, I, I love to watch when he's he's on form. Ah, yeah, he's developing all the time as well. You mentioned about kind of Steve Davis. I would say this is a very see with Kamara. At times, he gets a bit of license to go forward, and actually, he's pretty good when he does get forward. So, 
right? Or there is more to add to his game as well. Yeah, the, the, the scope for potential is fantastic uh, for Glenn Kamara. Uh, he needs to improve those aspects of his game, I think, to get that huge move that he's been linked with. But I think another thing about the Kamara deal, which uh, is a positive uh, in a lot of ways, when you look at the January transfer window, could be a positive for why they've brought in Scott Wright, is the, the bedding-in period he had. He didn't automatically walk into that Rangers team. He kind of saw, saw what it was all about, sussed the, the trade with his squad and things like that. And it kind of, you saw the best of him the season after he signed, you know, the the, the August after the, tra- the January transfer, because he, he was then fully up to speed. And that's where it, it can make a lot of difference signing somebody in January where the next season that they're ready to go. Yeah. Um want to talk about as well, maybe Gary Caldwell, when he went to Hibs, when Tony Mowbray was a manager of a good team. Because <laughs> that, that Hibs team was cracking. Yeah. Um, and it would be interesting had they been able to keep all their players exactly where Hibs, you know, they would be knocking the door of breaking into that top two. Uh, if you think back to that kind of squad that Tony Mowbray had, or the uh, Gary Caldwell. Yeah, you know, you had Stephen Whitaker, you had Kevin Thompson, Scott Brown, Ivan Sproul, could get you all the pace in the world. Um, Gary O'Connor, Derek Reardon, Zamana. Yeah, Zamana, yeah. So you do wonder if they were able to, to have kept all, all those players together for a period of time, what could have happened? Uh, Cold, Coldwell, I think, showed his leadership qualities at Hibs and it showed consistency at Hibs, which won him a move to, to Celtic. I think. He matured uh, at Hibs after his time in England. Uh, and I think that, that was a great move for him and a great move for Hibs. Yeah, any other bad ones? Uh, I've got is it John Toral. Um, who went from Arsenal to Arsenal, Vegas. wasn't he? An Arsenal yeah. player, aye. And it's more... I kind of sum it up of Rangers over that period. You could probably pick any number of players that joined Rangers from, you know, the kind of uh, Pedro Cachinha, um, Mark Warburton, uh, kind of eras. You've got, you know, that Newcastle five or whatever that they loaned Rangers. You know, I think Harris Vukicic was the only one that actually did anything. Uh, it was just expectation never met. It, there was a kind of it was just that time that Rangers seemed to buy a lot of potential or brought in a lot of kind of potential world beaters that turned out to be just hollow inside. There was no heart to them. Yeah. No certainly no consistency. Um, possibly the oldest player on the list up next, David Weir. David Weir, yeah. 36 when he signed for Rangers. 
I think probably most folk thought he was just there to pick up a, a last payday, won three league titles, I think get back in the Scotland squad as well. Um, a leader who was not the captain, but he was a leader on the pitch, obviously. Yeah, and, and that summer, because yeah, summer that January, so that was Walter Swift just came back from the Paul Le Guin kind of disaster zone. And they had him and Ugo Egeog come in and it just showed up everything in that defence. Um, and obviously Ugo left on, in the summer, didn't come back, but David Weir did. And it signed on a longer-term contract. I don't think anybody thought he would stay in for what, four years, was it on total, or three and a half. Uh, but just... It was like Richard Goff. He just didn't seem to age like other players did. He just had that brains of nowhere to be at the right time, stuffing things out. And you look at the players who looked like world beaters beside them, Carlos Cuella, Majid Bouguera, Danny Wilson, everybody seemed to up their game alongside them. Yeah, right. probably helped Wilson get his move to Liverpool, didn't he? Yeah, oh, 100%. And I think... Unfortunately for Wilson, once Wilson left, we are, um, everybody then saw that actually we are probably compensated a lot for um, Wilson's kind of early mistakes. Yeah. Or well, I don't think we're any older than him than David Weir on the last. No, I don't, I can't think of any of the older ones. No, David, David. Right, because most players are retiring by then, or half retired. So, um, yeah, he was one of the one of the earlier ones that kind of stood out. You get any from the the known big clubs, as so to speak? Any of the sorry, the smaller clubs that you would maybe say. Not that I can think of. Well, what is it, the Which was uh, Ladke. Keeper. No, that's a very good shoot, yeah. Um, it was tremendous. The St. Mirren fan that I speak to fairly regularly on Twitter absolutely loved him. And you can always see why he was a great shortstopper. Probably got St. Mirren 12 points at least on his own. At times you felt, uh, and I know that Salford were delighted when they brought him in. Uh, and it is, to be honest, he should be at a higher level than Salford. Uh, he, I was surprised. I thought Rangers were going to try and, or both Rangers and Celtic would have actually tried to have signed him in the summer. And looking at yeah. where Celtic are now, they, he would be the number one if they'd assigned him. Oh, I definitely. It keeps him up as well. Remember the, the playoff against Dundee United? Yeah. Yeah. He, he was um, tremendous in his, that, that first bit. And then they said they were a long, longer term deal, which was fantastic for Spider. But that is invaluable for those first six months when he signed. By keeping I'm interested to see if he stays at South or if he does move up. I suppose he could move up the league as Alper, though. He's maybe. He yeah, he, he could have. involved in. Um, and I think, and I kind of say, though, Jack Alnwick, yeah, Alnwick, I don't know how to pronounce yeah. it, has been one of the best players of the season, as far as I'm concerned. 
Uh, and for the, he's been that good. I don't think they've kind of missed Haradaki that much. But, um, uh, but you know, the, the both very, very good goalkeepers. Um, a bad one. I spoke about him briefly earlier. Hernandez at Aberdeen. Obviously, there was all the, the talk that we'd paid a decent bit of money for him. You're thinking, oh, right back, Venezuela, he's an international player, brilliant. This is what we need to be a bit of glamour, glitz and glamour. Just didn't work out. Um, he had fleeting appearances, the odd appearance here and there. He looked okay, but you can imagine it was difficult for him because his family wasn't here. Then the whole coronavirus situation happened. Yeah, I think. I think the COVID situation makes me very reluctant to judge him totally on that because, as you say, his family's not been here. They can't get here. He's then worried about them. You're worried about the COVID situation. You're then worried about people that you can't actually be in contact with and stuff like that. You're in a totally different culture. Totally different kind of weather than you'll be used to. The football's totally different as well. It's it's hard enough for the better times, but to do it in 2020, uh, now coming into 2021 with the lockdowns and everything else, it's you know I, I would not judge them as being a bad sign, and it's just wrong time. Yeah, wrong time, maybe wrong place. We'll see. Hope he does well. He seems a nice guy. Um, Another one that maybe never quite worked out. It looked a good signer on paper. There's only a loan deal. Ryan Gold went to Hibs. It's a, it's a strange well. It's a strange one because he seems to be really doing well in Portugal. So yes, yep. It's uh, again, is it kind of wrong time, wrong place? Uh, I, I was expecting to do a really good job at Hibs. It just for whatever reason didn't seem to work out. Maybe he just didn't suit their style. They were under the best kind of form at the time, were they? Were they not kind of coming back Aye. from a bit of bad form and stuff? So maybe expected too much. I heard Braga were interested in him yesterday. That's what I saw, yeah, as well. Yeah, so they're so, they in fourth place, I think, just now, something like that. So, yeah, so I, I, I think. There was talk that they were always going to be interested in in the summer, but they were then, uh, it was an injury to one of their creative players, so it kind of sped up the process, but I don't think he actually went in the end. Uh, from, from from what I can see, it doesn't seem to have signed in the end, but he will move to somebody bigger, I think, in Portugal at the end of the season. Uh, I think his performance is... Uh, have justified that. I think he has shown that he's acclimatised himself to, to Portuguese football. Yeah, and still maybe an outsider for the Scotland squad. Yeah, I, I, he's performing at a good level already anyway this season, but I wrote about, a bit more. I wrote about the um, kind of five, four or five players who could sneak a, a, a shot at that, or who should probably be looked at in the next friendly opportunity uh, and he was uh, he was definitely one of the names that I mentioned uh, because 
we can always do with a creative player. It's, we showed that uh, their last qualifier, their last couple of games when Fraser and Forrest were out of the squad, um, or out of the team, that we did miss creativity. So I'm glad that he's back on and back in form, and hopefully he can, you know, kind of transform himself into the international scene as well. And I forgot yeah, to say, we were, we were talking about this season's transfer window. This just reminded me of that. Uh, it was Hibs keeping uh, Nisbet and Porteous. Porteous, yeah. So I think, to be fair, I think I can understand why they've kept both of them. I don't think, especially the Porteous deal, I think it was £1 million was the kind of offer. And you're thinking, well, he's a Scottish internationalist. He's still got time to kind of get... I, I, I think they want more to sell him. I think they can probably get more to sell him later on. Um, Aye, they'll be looking at what Aberdeen got for McKenna. And I don't think Portis is quite the same player as McKenna yet. No, I don't think he's established um, himself uh, to that level yet. But they'll still be looking to try and get a wee bit more. The next bit one, I suppose, that you could have seen them going for it because... They've been a pretty big profit in what they paid, but they obviously have aspirations to finish minimum third place, which is vital for that season in terms of European football and potentially um, getting a good run at it. So it depends. Happens, I think he'll probably go in the summer, though, if he's not happy. He's not, the talk is he's maybe not happy that uh, the move didn't go ahead, but uh, see, this is the thing. Get a head I'll... down and knuckle down, maybe get in the Euro squad. Yeah, exactly. For him, what, you know. They'll come again if you, as long as you keep up, up, up your goals ratio. As long as you think Birmingham are struggling in the championship, there's no guarantee that Birmingham are still going to be in the championship. So you may get good wages just now, but then if you get relegated, there'll be a wage cap. There's you, you'll have to fall into line with that. Um, you could get lost in the mix. You don't then don't become a Scotland internationalist. Stay where you are. Play the next. Six months or so, still score goals, chap in the door for Scotland, and then if you do that, you'll start, you'll get more clubs interested, and then you can have maybe a few other teams to choose from in the Championship down south come, you know, June, July, August time. And to be honest, the other thing is respect the people who bought you in. That's you know, it's only, you've only been there since the summer, so you don't. They don't owe you to, anything to sell you on just when you want to leave. It's you know, there's no. You signed the contract. You've got to honour that contract. So I think he's better off where he is. And just as you say, knuckling down and just proving himself and just keep on because as long as he does that, he'll get that move. Yeah, and, it's almost like we're trying to link your Scotland story here with gold. Nes, is Nesbitt on your list? Is it on my, oh, yep, he was, he was on my list, yeah. yep. So it Who was, else is on your list out of interest? Uh, Billy Gilmore. Billy Gilmore was on my list. So it was Gold, Gold, Gilmore, Nisbet, uh, Hickey. Uh, Aye. And then was there one more? Let me check. The cracking photograph. All of them in it. Sorry, uh, this is not good podcasting. Just trying to 
No, it's all right. Scroll my phone. Um, so here we go. Uh, no, it was uh, Ferguson, Aberdeen. I should have. Hi, Ferguson. Aye. So, um, yeah, so I think, as I, as I wrote the article, if, there's a, if we could manage to get a few friendlies before the Euros, then that's the ideal time, even if it's just to check them out for the World Cup qualifiers. Um, aye, it's hardly aye. And, you know, I think these are five players who could make a difference. If not for the Euros, then for the World Cup qualifiers. Aye, I think the big thing will be for Gilmore. That it depends how much Tuchel rates him. Um, he stayed. Is it, I, think that, so, I think that's a good sign that he stayed um, in terms of his long-term future at Chelsea. Whether or not that's good for Scotland short-term, I don't know. Yeah. But I also don't think that Scotland needs to concern itself too much with the amount of... I think it would be worse for Scotland if he played every week for Chelsea at the moment because I think they get burnt out. So I think playing the odd Scotland game plus, say, League Cup or some FA Cup, whatever, for uh, Chelsea, plus the odd kind of league game isn't actually the worst thing for us. Yeah, he's definitely a wild card. It's whether maybe the tournament comes to Erling Clark thinks that he needs a wee bit more first-team football and maybe as well doesn't want to put too much pressure on him. I think we've seen the, it before happen with young Scottish youngsters that we I say they're the, going to be the next greatest thing in that. So maybe I he's, think the, he's the biggest the biggest thing is, and this is a good thing actually for Scotland, it's probably a position we don't need to rush into anything. Um, yeah. So it, it's dependent on what happens with maybe injuries and stuff as well. But personally, uh, you're probably going to disagree with this, is if it was between... You know, a player like Billy Gilmore, who's maybe not played every week for Chelsea, and Kenny McLean, I would pick Billy Gilmore. Well, I did say McLean was the one that would be at risk, I think. Yes. In terms of midfield, potentially. But that was when I think I'd heard that he'd picked up an injury. It was maybe going to be four or five weeks, but he's playing again. And I think Clark likes him. Strikes me as someone that's probably good to have in the squad. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I, I can see the I can see the calls for Gilmer. Um, I, I don't know whether they're going to be a bigger squad this year. Is it still going to be twenty three? Are they going to give extra allowance maybe because of the whole COVID thing? Maybe twenty five. If there's that's maybe a, good, a slightly bigger squad, that's a good. I that's think a that good could help point. his case. That's a good point. There's a versatility thing as well, which I think across the squad is an interesting one. Hickey, I think, could be maybe a better shout as a wild card because he can cover. Well, yeah. Centre-back, wing-back, he's playing played, a bit more regularly as well. He, he can play, play right-back and left-back as well. Um, um, so the fact that he plays right-back might be his best opportunity. Like just versatility as well. Yeah. Um, with that, Nesbitt, we've spoken about for a while. He, he probably deserves to be in the squad, I think, just now. It's one of those, England. Yeah, it's one of those positions where... We're not well, you know, furnished with strikers. So if somebody's scoring goals, if somebody's doing well, then that gives them a good opportunity to get into that squad as, as a late shoot. So 
Hornby, yes. as I say, God Appleton has that incentive. Um, and I would, I would say, leading into the next cup, you know, time that Scotland play at the moment, it's there's bits to, to lose. But he can do that if he doesn't concentrate on his game at Hibs. Uh, so it's a kind of fascinating. I, I think McBurnley is going no matter what. I think. Um, yeah, I think Clark you will. Yeah, is set set that uh, to side. I think Buck's probably going as well. I think you know the kind of versatility again. Yeah, but the pace. I think the the. There is at least one belt still open for straight for the kind of forward line, and Shankland's not played enough, and that could be where he pops out. Yeah, and somebody else. The one that might go because I wouldn't, I wouldn't have him, but because of versatility, Callum Parson. But you get the feeling that he will go because he can cover a few positions. Yeah, um, it depends who's if everybody's fit. He might not. It just depends on if everybody's fit. And how many? Yeah, That's we'll a very see. good shout that you you said suggested there might be a bigger squad allocation. Because um, um, I've not seen anything official yet, but you would think maybe like, maybe take up to the twenty five. Because if it's still going about, then obviously players could the, be players could get it positive. Yeah, and they they'll miss maybe the group stages, but hopefully be back for the final when we're in the final. So. Uh, but, but but certainly I think that I potentially could be a bigger squad but friendlies let's have a look at them definitely because we'll have maybe two friendlies in March maybe well, I, I, I think it's still I think these these things are always under review aren't they in terms of international friendlies and whether or not people think they're, they're justified or not so I, I, I would hope yeah. that we could have friendlies in March Um. So that'll maybe cover. There's other players we could have mentioned with the Giants fans for a window, but we'll maybe touch briefly on what happened at the weekend and um, earlier on tonight if we have to. Um, where could we start? Well, touched briefly on St Mirren beating Celtic. Let's um, say good wins, my, my guy, I think. Did I say that last week that good win would be my pick? No, I think does the first goal, time, Or was that the off first, air? I think that's the first time I think you've, I've heard it was today. It's maybe my mate. I've been talking to my mate about it a fair bit. That I do think he'd be someone that could be a good fit. Uh, yeah, I, 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 would, I would agree with you. I think that's a, a good show. Something that I like. But yeah, great result. And again, Shane Duffy. Oh, what yeah, is he the, doing? What are, the, he, he's just not defending. He just doesn't know. I tell you, my opinion on Shane Duffy for that second goal is he has totally lost all confidence in his own ability and he has no awareness of what's around him and he's just waiting for the ball to come to him rather than just attacking the ball and getting away. And that's what happens yeah. when you've got no confidence in your own ability. You then lose your kind of spatial awareness of who's around you. You then wait for the ball to come to you rather than you go and meet the ball. And by doing that, he's let uh, the St Mirren player in and he's taken a great first touch and then a nice finish. But all in all, I don't think, you know, I saw anything from Celtic fans to suggest that St Mirren didn't deserve that win. Um, 
I think there's a lot of talking as well. It wasn't as if they yeah. were sitting back. They went for it. And they they pressed and they controlled the ball in Celtic's half and things. You know, they, it, that's what a lot of people said. It's like that was one of the better performances they've seen from a away team at Celtic Park. Um, and so you've got to give them credit for that. And I think it's all very well said that Celtic are in a slump, but you've got to take advantage of it. And I think there's a lot of kind of muff from the Celtic fans and Celtic TV said that they had a morale-boosting 2-0 home win over uh, Hamilton leading into that game. So Aye. that kind of shows you how how bad things are at exactly, Celtic. Exactly, yeah. Um, well, the big thing for something has always been up, what we do all right this season, but was they did lack something in the final third, but they've addressed that now. Uh, yeah, we've both said that. Even if he's going to be scoring goals, he'll be doing things that will bring other players into play, and yeah, it's looking all positive. And they had the 5-1 win over Dundee United, who have been Obviously, very good defensively this season, so uh, folk were shocked at that result. Good I think, reaction um, after the, the semi final. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's just what you would want if you're a St. Mirren fan or a St. Mirren player. I think you've got to to be extremely impressed with the the, the kind of reaction from that that loss. Um, Livingston Aberdeen double header um, Saturday I, I never seen the game I seen highlights and we were the better team had the better chances however tonight it just there was the optimism after what had happened yesterday with the transfer window it just didn't get going at all we, mistake from Big Joe doesn't help um, however still have plenty of time to go back in the game don't defend the second goal at all um, free header First half, we were dreadful. I, I don't even think but there was any chance for to come back into the game. Second half, we, we had to play better. Um, Lewis Ferguson, as pair, dragging the team by the scuff of the neck. Look, the one that is hungry, wants to win, hates losing. Some of the others need to maybe kind of take a wee bit of a look at themselves uh, recently. Um, was it, I think uh, two wins out the last seven we've got, um, struggling for goals, which obviously we've tried to address and and let's see, but it's a, it's a massive, a massive uh, weekend uh, in the game against them because if you said it before, if you can finish top three this season in the league, it's massive in terms of European football that season. Yeah. You could potentially finish third and only have one playoff match in the Europa League to either say you're going to the group stage or you're going to a new conference setup. And at the moment, third place, I would say, Livingston are probably favourites, even though the other ones are in fifth. Because they yeah. just do not look like they know how it could be interesting. It's it's got a bit of the kind of Steve Clark that Kilmarnock feels about uh, Livingston at the moment. Now, the yeah. biggest thing that will happen, I would imagine, is when they do suffer that first defeat, what happens then? And when yeah. that happens as well is, is obviously the timing of that. It's going to be a, a big factor. Um, Joe Lewis... To give his, well, though. Yeah. That's and, the, the, the whole squad's contributing. <clears throat> And, you know, the Guthrie came out, he withdrew light on tonight, didn't affect him. He still went solid. Um, Robinson, we spoke about last week in terms of how well he yeah. was doing. Again, I think he's been on the bench the last couple of games. Um, just, like, everyone's contributing. Great pressing, they don't give up. They, they are awkward to play against again. They, they're very much like what Livingston were like when Hope first took over. And you thought, well, like, oh, no, we need to play Livy. That's always what it's like. Whereas you need to match up to it, you need to be physical and you need to be willing to win the battles. 
I think going back to kind of the Joe Lewis situation, he actually had a really good save in the first game. So if you, you kind of um, cancelled each other out, because if either of you'd prefer him kind of scoring a goal today, if they're going to lose two 0 anyway, rather than lose that one on Saturday, lose both games. So it kind of. Aye, I'm not going to. I'm not putting blame on Joe Lewis anyway. Though it's, there's eleven players and then the subs, so they've got plenty of time to go back in the game, as I say. It's, uh, um, but yeah, I, I did see tonight's game, but uh, weekend. I did. Unfortunately. <laughs> you did. You did seem to create chances, uh, but it's just I don't think Livingston, as you say, know how to lose, and that's kind of what you came up against. Yeah. <coughs> um, St. Johnston off the back of getting to the final as well. Good. Yeah. Games. I think St. Johnston. Um, basically, again, one of those teams that really. Just looked to be going on the up and up. Um, two 0 down at Kilmarnock, they just never gave in. Um, they were, on, as you said earlier, they were kind of on top before that. Um, and just as soon as they scored the first, you just knew that they were going to start piling on the pressure. And if any team was going to win, it's probably going to be them. Uh, it's and I really like the look we'd mentioned when he signed. Both we didn't know what they were going to get with uh, Malamed, um, but it does look as if he's a, he's a de- really decent signing. And again, it's one of those risky yeah. ones that could actually turn out to be a, a really profitable signing. Aye, but I think I'd seen it even last week, folk were saying, oh, he's no use in getting rid of him. But again, he's come from another country, taking a bit of time to settle in, but he, he's never looking like he could be a, a decent acquisition. Plus, they've obviously thought, well, it's like Goa Henry, which means he's going to get chances because they've only got Kane and May plus him. They've only really got the three strikers. Yeah. So he's going to get chances and yeah, what good look up even awkward to play against as well. So yeah, so uh-huh. he scored and two assists, so really helped change the game uh, for for them. Yep. And they're obviously all playing for a cup final place as well. Yeah. Which is massive. It could be a really good month for St. Johnson. And that's how it looked. You know, I like Dally McCann's goal. But that's how it looked in that second kind of half against Kilmarnock was that that's what they were playing for. They had something to play for. Yeah. It's interesting now because obviously in the, if you're looking at sixth place now, the top five are all, they're all going to be in the top six. But if you look then below that, St Mirren, Dundee Knights and Johnson, it's going away from those three. I don't think Motherwell will do enough to push for it. Um who would you go for between St. Mirren, Dundee Knight and St. Johnson if any sixth? It could be St. Johnson with um, the momentum. Uh, they do seem to be working more to the kind of structure that uh, Davidson's brought. Um, and, and, and just being in that cup final just spurs them on. Uh, at the moment, Dundee United are struggling uh, more and more, kind of conceding. Um, but in, again, I think scoring goals is still going to be a kind of problem for St. Mirren. So I would suggest that the momentum might swing in St. Johnson's favour. 
Yeah. They've not lost a spot since they since Dodson. So they're a decent run. But that. Um, trying to think what else in terms of the weekend and stuff like that because obviously there's only four games played at the weekend oh Hibs in beat top flight Hibs beat Dundee United uh, I think that was a big win for Hibs as well uh, yeah. get to keep some and they won tonight in the kind of hunt yeah exactly so it keeps them in the hunt um, for third place which is theirs at the moment but Aberdeen have got a game in hand it's uh, it's going to be interesting that fight for third place, but you know I, I think Hibs needed those two wins just to kind of settle everything down. So I think people were were kind of questioning them a bit after the kind of Rangers result in the cup semi final. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the lower league predictions game, I think apologise to you, or maybe not apologise to you because I'd forgotten no, that the other said Charlie Richmond's doing the predictions. And it worked out well because Charlie Charlie got us a point. So good podcast as well. Enjoyed listening to him. Um, so yes, we are now at seven four. So we've, we've clawed it back a wee bit. Um, so this week is your turn. Yep. John has not said okay. to me that anyone else is <laughs> is doing this week because he's got. I think he's got. I never. I think he's recorded maybe another one tomorrow or something like that I think um, so let's see what we have in the championship because that's all there is just now lower league there's nothing elsewhere and they've obviously made the decision as well to extend the suspension in lower leagues as well yeah it is I think unfortunate but I can see maybe reasons for it if just before, just before Archer we pick the games what do you think is going to happen with the Scottish Cup? Over I on that season? Well yeah I, I was just thinking they've set a president so it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if they did it's not it's um... need the National Lottery to start sponsoring and call it the Rollover Scottish Cup the SFA seem determined to try and get fans in for the semis and the finals, so maybe it's, this is a ploy just to make sure that they can get, get it for next for next season. They can try and try and get fans back for certain parts of it. Yeah, aye, because the other bit of news this week um, was concerning the Euros. So there's not going to be any away fans. Now I don't think there's even going to be really any home fans, but folk are clinging on to the hope there might be. Um, but I just don't think it will be the case. I'm always optimistic, so my fingers are crossed. Uh, I think um, surely there's a way we can do it. We just have the OAPs then. They've got all their vaccines. They just have <laughs> that, yeah, <they> <laughs> 30,000 30, uh, OAPs and frontline workers getting stuck into it. Aye, and no... I don't want a share in your Weathers originals. <laughs> Mind you, they did a rapper, so it may be all right. Be all right if you do your Weathers originals. Well, they've all had their vaccines, so I'm hoping that they can share their rappers. Lucky Charles Faces. Aye, aye, on you go. Um, so, championship at the weekend, you've obviously got the Friday night game. We don't touch the Friday night game, generally. That's always been a thing, even when we used to do the 
the bet that we used to have, we never touched the Friday night. We always did Saturday games. So we can only pick three from the four. Uh, um, let's see. Our broth against Infermland. Our broth versus Infermland. I'm going to say 2 0 Infermland. 2 0 Infermland. Dundee versus Inverness. Maybe a bit of a tricky one to predict. 2 1 Dundee. 2 1 Dundee. And then Morton against Wraith Rovers. No, no. No, no. Uh, we forgot to mention earlier actually, Morton signed up player who has played in the Champions League. I've missed that one. Who's the same, isn't it? He signed a striker from uh, on loan from Spurs, Sterling. And my mate who's a Morton fan said he must have been done done something bad to be sent to Morton to play if he's coming from Spurs. So yeah, it, it, um, it rings a bell. Uh, what's what's his first name? Kez, I think. Yeah, I, I thought that he always seemed to be in and around their cup squads. Uh, Interesting to see how he does. But the fact is that Morton doesn't bode well for him, to be fair. No, no. Not, not it's, anything. It's says it's a punishment. Nothing, nothing against Morton. Fan, Morton. Nothing against uh, yeah. Morton, um, personally. It's just that if you're a high prospect in the top six of the English Premier League, you do not usually end up in Morton. No. Um, so, right, we've got a broth, Peter Ferlin. 2 0 to Fairland, Dundee, Inverness, 2 1 to Dundee, Morton and Wraith, 0 0. Is it going to be a boring 0 0 or what are they 0 0 that you wouldn't expect? Yeah, you're not. Like lots of chances it's both It's a 0 0 that shouldn't really end a 0 0. Right, okay. That, that's not as bad then. Uh, um, are, we saying, are we saying, is it too early to say that Hearts are winning that league? Uh, I know we said at the start of the season, but. I think so, only because Hearts seem to have it in themselves to slip to not up. draw games. Yeah, well, that's it. So, 11 wins, 3 defeats. They always seem to have that kind of blip in them. Um, as long as they keep that to minimum, then you expect them to kind of romp it in the end. But, um, but yeah, they're very much still firm favourites. Um, I would be hugely surprised if they didn't win that league. Yeah, and they strengthened as well in the window. I think when you looked at it, Dundee were probably going to be the main competitors and Dundee are 13 points behind in fourth place. So I think Ray Rovers have done tremendously well. I think the Fair Athletic have done tremendously well, but I don't see them really going to close that gap too much. Right, that settles that. And then there's no, we can't obviously talk about our legs in terms of what's happening because we don't even know when they're excited again. Yeah, which is unfortunate to say the least. I don't think the um, I don't think communication is the best um, for those leagues, unfortunately, in terms of the SFA and the SPFL. Um, so going back 
in the January transfer window, who has had the best window? Um, it's I would still say Aberdeen. I know that the you guys lost. Um, uh, I think I think Rangers have had a good transfer window in terms of they've cut off a lot of Deadwood, Jordan Jones, Barker's gone. Um, Edmondson. Edmondson as well. They brought in Simpson early for a, for his introduction into Rangers' life. Wrights came in as well. So I think Rangers have done all right, but they didn't need to do anything spectacular. That's just kind of ticking over. But Aberdeen, really, that could spur them on as long as these forwards uh, click. Uh, Johnson have done well. Uh, Livingston... I think it's smart. I don't think they needed any great changes, so they've not got any great changes. Motherwell, that's a kind of scattergun approach sometimes I look at Motherwell, but I can see what they've done this time. It's a kind of uh, close everything up. You're mentioning every team here. Just want one team. Who's your team? Probably. I said Aberdeen, probably, aye. Right. Okay. And in terms of our nostalgia trip who is the best January transfer signing in Scottish football since the window was introduced I don't know there's too many right too many to pick off the top of my head off the top of my head Stephen Davis are you going for Stephen Davis yeah because I think he was right, okay. a big catalyst to getting them to the UEFA Cup final that, so, that season. And that's, right, a, achievement, that's an achievement in my generation that is very limited in Scottish football. Aye, I, I uh, can't really see it again repeating now and even though it was only... It didn't seem like that long ago now, but you cannot see it happening again. For, I don't know. Gerard seems, to know be, Gerard seems to know everything about European football. I would never have thought the Rangers. I would never have thought Rangers would get to the level that they've already got to in Europe under Steven Gerrard, and they've already got to that. So, but no, it would be it would take a monumental effort to get anywhere near the, the, the final again. Uh, but why is this the new conference league plan? Yeah, that, that that could be a benefit. Uh, but I would like to think both Rangers and Celtic have got bigger ambitions. I never said it was them that was going to win it. It would be someone else. You never know. Um, but yeah, that probably sums up the podcast anyway. No uh, no snack chat this week, apart from at the start. <laughs> no snack chat apart from right at the very beginning. Aye, we got out of the way early. Uh, so, thank you again. No problem at all. Thank you for having me. And we shall catch up next week. Perfect. Just go.